Welcome to episode 78 of the Blake Mayfield podcast. I am your host, Blake Mayfield, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have the City of Ready Mayor, Mrs. Erin Reznor on. Erin, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for asking. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited for this. For sure. For sure. Me too. There's been a lot of stuff going on in Reading. I am born and raised here in Reading, and it seems like the city is really growing very fast and rapidly, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So I'm I'm actually very happy you decided to come and uh, – we're doing it over the phone, but come and sit down and just chat with me. I, I really do appreciate it a lot. Um, I want to start yeah, off sure. before we get into, like, any of the COVID stuff or any of, like, downtown Reading's makeover and stuff like that. Um, I was doing some research for a backstory on you and stuff like that, and I saw that you and your husband are franchisees of Dutch Brothers. Uh, which locations? How did that come about? When did all that happen for you and your husband? Yeah, so we have been the franchisees in the Reading area for um, 17 years. 17 years as of last week. Um, and so we own um, the ones in the Reading, Anderson, and Palatigio area. And my husband originally started working for the brothers something like uh, 24 years ago, something along something along those lines. Uh, he worked for the two brothers, uh, Dean and Trav, uh, who started the company in Grants Pass in 1992. That's not when he started, but um, yeah, he's... He, then he moved here with uh, the goal of opening stores here, and then we met soon after he, uh, I was home from UC Santa Barbara, and we met during summer after he had moved to Reading, and, uh, and then about a year and a half later, the first store opened. Awesome. So how did that come about? How were you guys able to buy the franchises, and, and what attracted you guys to Dutch Bros in particular? Um, so... I, I should I should say that so my husband worked for them for for a couple of years in Oregon when he went there. Then he moved to then he moved to LA and went to school. And through that time, he uh, continued his his relationship with the two brothers who founded the company, and just kept saying how awesome the Dutch Bros would do in California. And um, they weren't ready to move into California, and so. They basically said, hey, we're not ready for that. It's going to be a couple of years out. So uh, the short version of the story, because it could take an hour to explain all of, all of the things um, that happened in the last 17 years, but the short version of that story is that he uh, got a call about a year and a half later from one of the brothers who said we're ready to move into California, but we're not ready to move uh, that far south, but we'd love to talk to you. So the next day he drove from L.A., to um, Grants Pass and met with the met with all of the powers that be, and they said we were thinking Reading or Tahoe, and Reading was the only place in which that he had stopped between LA and Oregon, and he knew that he said Reading felt a lot like Southern Oregon, which it does, um, and he, and he knew what has worked well so far in Southern Oregon, and and he felt like Reading would would be a great spot. And, uh, yeah, so then he picked up and moved back, and then he was in Reading about two weeks later. Um, and then, yeah, about a year and a half after that or so, the first store on Churn Creek next to the post office opened. And then um, about, uh, let's see, maybe a little bit over a year later, the second store in North Market opened. And then basically all of our stores were open between... Uh, 
2006, oh, sorry, excuse me, 2004 and 2009, we opened up six stores. And then the downtown location and the Anderson location came later then. Uh, I think the last store that we opened was in uh, 2017. Awesome. So I have a question. So what's like the toughest thing and the easiest thing about owning a Dutch Bros? And and easiest as in what do you enjoy the most? And and what's something that even to this day you guys pull your hair out over as far as owning it? Do you guys ever have any worries? Because they are so very successful. Um. I would say the toughest part, we'll start off with that because I'm like a rip the band-aid off sort of, sort of gal. Um, I would say the toughest part is that we've grown a lot. And when it was when we were smaller and there were maybe only 20 or so employees, we had really, really strong, tight relationships with every single um, employee. And we have to work a lot harder with that, with there being 250 or so um employees it's it's far more difficult to have strong relationships with with everybody um especially with all of the other things that we have going on and now four children and all of that so i would say that's that's the toughest part and navigating being a business owner in the state of california is just always very interesting um (laughs) and hard at times um and then the best thing is also sort of the hard thing the best thing is we have incredible staff like we literally have incredible staff and we have killer customers. Being that 17 year anniversary was last week, um, reflecting on some of those customers who are still a customer, knowing that they've been loyal to us for the last 17 years, and that we've done life with these people. We've seen them through their life, like having getting married and having babies. And, and some of them, we've had um, employees who were there on the very first day that Dutch Rose opened when they were little. And um, one of them, worked for us and then became a regional manager for us and she's now an operator in Stockton. Um, and so our we have an incredible staff and really, really incredible um, customers. And so I think that's, that's the thing that makes any of the other t- tough stuff really worth it. Well, I have to tell you, I've been here in Shasta County my entire life, born and raised. I remember when you guys opened up the Anderson location. I believe it was February of 2016, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, I, I was... That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, I was a junior in high school, so it was all the rage to us in, in high school. And I honestly, I've never been to a Dutch Bros because I live in Anderson, and I never really traveled to Reading. I wasn't much of a copy of Red Bull drinker, but I, I'm not going to lie. That was the busiest I've ever seen a grand opening besides, honestly, Chick-fil-A this year. So I knew it was an instant success right out of the gate, and I, I think you guys have definitely hit it out of the park. It, it sounds like, as far as you and your husband go for franchising, it's definitely a matter of who you know, not what you know. Because knowing the two founders definitely sounds like it helped as far as getting you guys to this point? Um, I would say for sure, um, at, at that point, they really only had a handful. When he franchised, they really only have, and and so that I'm clear, you can no longer franchise um, a Dutch Rose. They are all company-owned. As of a couple of years ago, they no longer um, offered franchises. And, and um, there's only been a short time period since 92 that they've allowed franchisees to be from outside of the company so it really was the aspect of him working for the brothers and knowing the business and and coming from within because culture is so important to dutch roads as a company and so it's other than for maybe a couple of years in there it has always been something that you've had to have come from within the company um because culture is so important 
Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I want to ask you because I've seen, I've been following you for a little while now on Facebook and stuff like that, trying to do research. I wanted to make sure I did a, a responsible job as a, the interviewer, I guess. And I saw that yeah. every day you report the COVID-19 numbers for Shasta County. Um, obviously, me and you both know, as, as everyone else does, the impact it's had over the last 12 to 14 months in the world. But why is that still so important to you, even with the vaccines rolling out? And, and why is it such a, a great deal of attention for you and your team to report on them? Um, if I'm honest, I would say that the COVID numbers are not actually still quite as important to me as, um, as one would maybe guess. However, it is something that takes um, a great deal of time. And recently, I'm not sure how long you've followed or if it's off, but recently I asked all of um, the community and people who follow how important it is to them, um, being that it has been a year and being vaccine is out and being that our numbers are down and in all honesty Shasta County feels like a little piece of heaven I'm not sure how much you've traveled in the last year but Shasta County is like just a little we have a little slice of heaven here it feels relatively normal compared to the rest of the U.S. or or the world so I feel really lucky about that but it was an overwhelming uh, yes that people wanted, and I sort of wasn't expecting that, that people, yes, wanted to continue to see numbers. They wanted to continue to see them every day, not weekly. And it was something that they really cared. And I feel like my job as as the mayor, but you really just as a city council member, is to be a servant of our community and to make sure that I'm sharing information. In my opinion, I think that it's important that I'm sharing unbiased information. Um, and so over the last year or so, I've really tried to do my best to simply be an easy way for our um, community to find if they're looking for resources or they're looking for information and data, where's the easiest that they can that they can find that. So may not have been what what you were expecting, but mostly because I feel like it's my job to serve people and they've asked for it. Yeah, no, that's yes, awesome. It does, take, it does take a significant portion of time. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah, because I, like I said, I do see it almost every single day. And um, I, I think I did see that poll that you put up on Facebook about how a lot of people still wanted the numbers to be reported, which I, I'm with you. I, I was surprised as well because it does feel very normal here in Reading in particular, but in Shasta County. It feels like the people that wanted to or needed to get vaccinated did it and the people that want to wear masks and stuff like that do it. Um, but I, I did travel to Oregon for Thanksgiving and it's definitely still like you can't go anywhere without the mask on and stuff like that. Which I'm obviously cool with at this point. It is what it is. I'm all for protecting others besides myself. But um, yeah, I, I was just very surprised to see that the numbers are still going strong. Do you know? Do you have any timeline of when that'll stop? I mean, I know it's not the biggest of deals, but I kind of just wanted to get your take on it since it is something that um, I do see, you know, very frequently from your team and whatnot. Is there any time period for when you'll stop, or are you just going to keep going the rest of the year, or what do you think happens with it? I would love um, when the governor decides that he is, um, and rumor has it, sometime in June, sometime between now and uh, June 15th or so, that he is going to um, lift some of the restrictions. Um, in my opinion, I would love to make a transition by, you know, the beginning of June into solely sharing about city council-related stuff. So. I'll take a poll again and see how it is that people um, are feeling and whether or not that's something that's so important to people. But um, in in my timeline, I would love to by you know the beginning of June 
not be reporting every day. And to be honest, I think the public health would probably love that also to only maybe report once a week, um, as those numbers that I get are from uh, the county public health office. Um, and they report to all of us elected, and they put it out on all of their media also um, every single day. And so, yeah, I'm thankful for them for sending us all of that data because people ask us, even though we're not the county, they ask us and they expect us to know. So I'm thankful that they've given it to us. But I'm hoping that by the beginning of June, we can start to only talk about city stuff. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's a good timeline. I want to backtrack a little bit um, since we covered the Dutch Bros and COVID stuff. So I want to get into your political career a little bit. It says right here that in November 2018, you were elected to the city council to serve a four-year term. Was that your first time running for political office? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, You know, I think you can sit on the sidelines uh, for so long. My husband and I both um, volunteer and donate and um, with a handful of nonprofits, sit on boards, um, do all that we can in our community to try and um, just give where we can, whether that's like financially or with our time or um, skill set. And and I just, like you, I grew up here and um, I graduated from Foothill High School. Yes. And went away to college, came back, and um, I really wanted to make a difference in in my community and and I sort of felt like I had been sitting on the sidelines for so long and and that I could do a good job of decision making and policy making and I and I would throw my hat in the ring so yeah it was the first time that I decided I was going to do that what was something that you thought was missing from Reading or was it something that you thought maybe you could help gain Reading as far as you becoming mayor and stuff like that? What was like the main motivation behind it? Because I know like anything else, you know, everyone knows that if you're going to run for president, you run 18 months in advance of the actual election. How long were you thinking about it and how long did it take you to announce it? And and what was the reason for wanting to run for office? So I think I announced about 14 months prior to um, the election, which is pretty standard in Shasta County. Usually somewhere around that 14-month mark is usually where somebody who is um, new will uh, enter the race because it does take a lot of time to get your name out there. Um, If I was honest, I would say that I hadn't been thinking about it for that long. Um, There was a moment... I've always really enjoyed politics, um, and, and it's not that I never saw myself doing something in, in that, because I've always found it very fascinating, um, but my, uh, we were sitting at a Sunday night dinner um, with, my, with my family, and my dad was telling a story about uh, my mom going to the grocery store, which she's always gone to, and that somebody had tried to climb in the back of her car while she was loading groceries, and that he was not going to be letting her go to the grocery store by herself anymore and I went to get on my like high horse of like I am woman hear me war sort of thing and he just sort of like you know put his hand up and was like I'm not saying she's not you know capable because my mom's pretty feisty kind of gal um he said I just don't feel like that she should go why she's like by herself and he said if somebody's gonna crawl if somebody's gonna crawl in then then I, I don't know what else it is that somebody would feel comfortable with. And that's, that was sort of like a gut punch moment for me that it felt like a different kind of community than which that I had grown up on. I grew up on the east side of town. I used to ride my um, bike over by Kids Kingdom all of the time and, and be gone and, and ride around and feel fine. Nothing ever happened. I never felt 
threatened and and yes the landscape of california has really changed i think dramatically with with prop 47 and 57 but it was just slightly different and i wanted my kids to be really proud of where it is that they came from and so whether that was what public safety looked like or if that looked like business development or or having cool amenities and attractions because we have this incredible landscape right we have this incredible landscape we have all these resources um and i felt like we could preserve it and and leverage it better than than what we were doing um so yeah that was that was why i decided to run awesome i have a question so as far as downtown, it is totally transformed. And it honestly got transformed mostly yeah. through, as they call it, quarantine, lockdown, whatever it is. Even though it didn't really feel like that here in Shasta County, that is the time period and what we all mm-hmm. define it as. Right. Um, when did all that happen? And Did you have a hand in that? Because you said you and your husband donate and you guys obviously are successful with the Dutch Bros franchises. Um, how was it as far and how – I'm trying to think of how to ask. How – uh, stressful was the process of getting this stuff accomplished or was it stressful at all for you? I mean, how did all that go? Um, I would say that honestly, a, a downtown revitalization has been a long time coming. It, it's not just this city council. It's been city councils for the last 10, 20 years who have been really dedicated to, we need to change the landscape of downtown. We need to bring back that like quaint sort of downtown vibe and feel um, and there was partnerships between private entities and um, a couple of private entities and the city and um, those entities uh, being McConnell Foundation and K2 Development uh, applied for some rather large housing grants through um, the state and they were awarded some of them. One of them was a $20 million grant, which at that point was the largest grant that I think we potentially ever received. Um, and we yeah. were really lucky. Honestly, we had, as far as grants go, for the county of Shasta, we uh, there's something like $100 million in development going on in the downtown area. Um, between the courthouse and the two housing developments, the downtown area, um, redoing streets and roads, it's, it's really, really incredible. And honestly for as much uh, construction that it was and to be through pandemic communal construction industry literally never slowed down during pandemic so they just kept going and they turned that project around in the market street um center they turned that around in, in i think 18 months just shy of 18 months and so i would say for us as council members it was not a headache uh city staff and in those two entities and, and our various different um, subcontractors and partners within the community just really worked really hard together and collaborated very well. So I would say it's more of an honor to have been the mayor when, when the new street opened and to get to be the first one to drive on it and congratulate everybody and welcome everybody to a new revitalized downtown area. Um, it's mostly just an honor rather than any sort of difficulty. Yeah, I have to admit, 
I have not drove down the new Market Street yet. It looks phenomenal, though. And I love where you guys, I don't even know if it's really a thing of you guys decided or if the McConnell Foundation and K2 and all of them decided. But to have it next to Maxwell's, which is one of my favorite eateries in town, I just love the kind of mm-hmm. hole-in-the-wall feel. Crown Camera is obviously an iconic place in Reading. Everyone knows about Crown Camera. Right. still standing to this day, which is awesome. Um, you have the big old parking structure. You have, I believe, Theory Coffee's down there now. You have an actual mm-hmm. professional recording studio. I used to go there and uh, actually I made music in high school, funny enough. So I used to go there and record and stuff like that here and there. I, I just, I love the area and I love how Shasta College is right there too. I think it, there's no better area for it. The apartments are beautiful. Um, I know there's a place called Plant Daddy, which is very funny. I do want to go in there one of these yep. days, but it looks phenomenal, I, I have to admit. And um, I, I don't think you'd say it out loud or... I think you'd be very humble in it, but for you to be mayor, like you said, while it all happens, I mean, that has to feel good to be able to take some sort of credit for it, even if you don't want to take credit um, in the public for it. I, I will give you your flowers for that. I, I think that downtown has really transformed, <laughs> and it's been awesome. I mean, it's something that the city definitely needed 100%, so I'm really happy that um, you guys were able to get it done so quickly and whatnot, because besides the sundial, there just wasn't much going on here, and I feel like now, five years from now, this place is going to have a lot of cool stuff going on. Um I want to ask you about the Reading Convention Center. So I've had a couple people on. I've had Mr. Baron Browning, the city of Anderson mayor. I got him on right around Christmas. Baron's a great guy. And, you know, Baron is running for a board of supervisors position. He is yes killer, killer candidate. Yeah, 100%. Anyway. I, he, he definitely has my vote, 100%. I'll put that out there right now. Um, but I was asking him about transforming the convention center and maybe making it into some sort of, like, sports arena kind of thing. Like, um, what, what do you think about that? Is, is there an idea that maybe we could ever have a professional sports team or even, like, a minor league baseball team or minor league, like, an NBA G League team? Because I feel like this is something Reading can potentially have as far as being right next to Turtle Bay, the Sundial, that's our two biggest attractions. We have KRC, our News Channel 7 right there. Um, there's plenty of parking. There's plenty of just dirt that you can make into parking out there. I just feel like, and I love the convention center. I've been there for tons of things in my lifetime, but I feel like we're getting to the point where everything else is getting revitalized and the convention center is about 60 plus years old. Maybe it's time for a teardown and a rebuild back up. What do you think about that? Do you think we could ever land something like that here with the 44 going both ways? What do you think? Oh, man. I mean, I think that being able to land anything like that feels a little bit like a dream and would be a dream come true. Uh, The difficulty is that we have this thing in Shasta County uh, where we don't always want to um, pitch in. So oftentimes when something comes of of that, it's it's a grant. And so it seems a little bit difficult, the the idea of being able to um, garner a some sort of grant or uh, or there be an option of a grant through through the state or through the federal government for some sort of entertainment purposes. However, if we could ever have something um, like a sales tax that was passed, uh, that would probably be our best way in which or best avenue to get to something like that. Any sort of like capital expenditure like that really does require a lot of buy-in from the community. And thus far, it's been very difficult for um, the city of Reading or or Shasta County in general. Not for Anderson. Anderson's been very successful, and I think the people of Anderson have seen the fruits of of them pitching in. Um, But so far, we have not been able to pass anything like that. And I think without that, it would be a pretty – it's a pretty steep, uh, stiff – uh, hill to climb unless somebody dies and gives us a lot of money but you're correct the amount of potential that there is on the river 
the views, the connection, the river trail. You can connect that way. You can connect, uh, soon you'll be able to connect Dana to downtown. Um, the possibilities there and, and the views and what we already have are incredible. So I, w- I would love to see something like that happen. Um, just might need some more community buy-in for something like that infrastructure-wise. Well, I'll tell you what, Aaron, and, and uh, we don't have to keep going on this on the podcast, but I would love to maybe in private talk with you, Baron, and, and everyone that kind of like runs the runs the town around here, runs the scene about this idea, because I've had this idea for a really long time. Um, I'm a big sports fanatic. I don't know if you are, but I literally have obsessed over this idea for about four months now, and this is one of the reasons I was happy to get you on. Um, and, you know, once I started looking into the fact that you're, you know, from here, born and raised and whatnot, it made me even more excited yeah. because I feel like that would be the cherry on top. I'm I'm realistic enough to realize we'll never get an NFL team or an NBA team probably because we just don't have the population or economic stability for that, right. which is totally fine. Sacramento's right there. The Niners, you know, are in the Bay Area, whatever. But I do think that we can maybe go the next step above just minor league baseball or, you know, minor stuff like that. And maybe get like a, a G League team or even just a regular, like you said, entertainment arena where you can still have your Gabriel Iglesias's and your Kenny Chesney's and you're still, you know, the, the SpongeBob convention or whatever they do nowadays there. I feel like that'd be really cool. The Sheridan Hotel's right there. I just see a lot of potential for it. And it's something that I haven't really been silent about because I do think that if someone like me, you know, and, and you and stuff, push comes to shove, get the right people involved is something that could really help you know people always want to talk about and you brought it up sales tax and taking money and using it to fund stuff as much money as I would assume would be taken out of people like me's pockets to fund the idea and the building I think that would put more money back into the economy as far as the sundial turtle bay the river trails you mentioned it yourself I mean there's all sorts of stuff that happens at the sundial every single year it's our biggest tourist attraction and I mean people didn't want the sundial bridge to happen people forget that that was a mere 18 20 years ago and now look at it everybody loves it it is one of the most iconic things there's only two of them in the world um and so I just I think that when running takes chances it pays off very well. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and maybe we could talk more here in the future. I I would love to if you would love to, but I just feel like there's big potential for that thing there. And yeah, I just feel like that's maybe the last missing block once downtown's finished and everything like that, you know, all these great businesses and whatnot, that might be the last thing. But uh, I want to keep rolling here. What are some small businesses you enjoy visiting the most? Over the last year, it's really been a thing. You know, you see all the Visa commercials and the American Express, you know, support small business, support local business things. What's your favorite place to go visit as far as eating, shopping, what do you like to support? Do you own anything that you'd like to promote? I mean, what does that look like for you? Um, Let's see. If I was to say where it is in my favorite uh, local eating spots, for sure, dinner at uh, Moonstone. And I would say lunch at Los Cachorros on Athens. If you have not had their tacos, then you're missing out. Um, they're uh, family-owned. Actually, both of those are a family-owned restaurant, and um, the owners work in there every day, and the food is delicious. Uh, so I love being at Moonstone and Los Cotoros. Um And then I buy a lot from the Florentopest, um, from Common and Carousel, both downtown, um, Sketch and Press, also downtown, and the Enjoy Store. Um, I have... Uh, you know, a new little baby. Um, and so we do a lot of ordering um, from Turbans uh, for Tots. 
um, which is which is online. They don't have a storefront here, but they're from here and they're local, and they uh, have a handful of locals who work for them and sew for them. So I really love, yeah, all of those. Those are probably my uh, my knee jerk go tos. Yeah, and congrats on the family, by the way. I didn't say it up top, but yeah, Thanks. congrats on the on the newborn and whatnot. That's really cool. You have four kids now, I hear. Yeah, we have four. Fourth and final came um, uh, middle of January. Um, and so we have three boys and one little girl. So just real quick on the point. Uh, say that again. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say a full household. But what were you, what you were going to ask me? No, 100%. Definitely a full house. How does that affect the work and whatnot? Well, what does that balance look like for you between having a big, beautiful family and then also having this political career that you have and being one of the most recognizable and important people in the county? How do you balance that? <laughs> oh, man. You're, uh, I'm, I'm very flattered. I don't know how uh, important or recognizable uh, I am, but I do for sure um, feel that it's like an honor to be serving and um, I have really honestly I have a really great support team um, we have incredible regionals um, and 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 assistant who help manage all of the uh, Dutch Bros things or um, properties and, and all of that sort of stuff and before I ran, I sat down with all of them and asked them, you know, this would be me taking on a bigger task, and would they help carry the weight and the pat and um, uh, duties that that I would maybe not be able to fulfill in the other areas of our life? And so they've all been really involved. And so honestly, I just feel that I'm really lucky. Um, and I believe that if you want something done, you should give it to a busy person um, because somehow, if you, the more you have to get done the more you can fit in in a day it's it's miraculous but um and and my husband's pretty great <laughs> he's pretty great and and i have a really great strong support system yeah that's awesome um i wanted to ask you i feel like i've said that three or four times now but i, I do have lots of questions for you um churn creek no, marketplace no this was something that yeah. was voted upon and passed, I believe, November 2016, and they finally got it going and opened up. I believe Panda Express was the very first thing to open over there in the fall of 2018, right around the time you got elected, actually. Um, do you have a yeah. hand in anything going on over there in Trunk Creek Marketplace? I mean, how was that trying to land the second in and out? Um, I believe Gold Development are the developers over there for the marketplace, but how was that helped out the economy and having a Save Mart and a second Ross and all that? I mean, how, how was that shaped uh, business here, you think? in Reading? Oh, I think the people have been really excited about it. Um, when I was running, I was a little bit bummed. I think that it was it was pretty shocking how many um, trees that we that we cut down and that we, uh, <laughs> that was a little bit shocking to look at, but I think that everybody has been very, very excited about um, all of the things. I hear really incredible things. I have not been in the Save Mart yet, but I keep hearing that it's absolutely incredible. Um, and and I for sure have been in that in and out line a handful of times. And <laughs> it seems to be working it seems to be working really well. Yeah, hundred percent. I have a question. So do you have you been into Sprouts Farmers Market on Hilltop? Um, I have not been in there yet. No. I order from there via Instacart a lot in the last year, but I have not actually been into the store. Oh, do you really? Yeah, you know, four four kids, <laughs> four kids to the grocery store is sort of a lot. So I Instacart a lot of a lot of things. 
and I am pretty thankful. I actually think that it's pretty incredible. Um, there are a handful of those apps, uh, DoorDash, Instacart, Etsy, that I think are really cool because if somebody wants to work and earn some extra money, they totally can. Um, and I guess Uber could go in there also, but yeah. So Instacart, a lot of food. I work at Sprouts. That's why I asked the question. And I do work the Instacart mm. usually. Um, I guess I'll, I'll put all my business out there. I work the Instacart Mondays and Tuesdays. So that's actually interesting that you say that. Um, but I was just wondering if you had been into any of the supermarkets or anything like that, because it seems like that and Hilltop now with obviously Home Goods opened right after uh, lockdown and stuff last year, kind of got lifted for the summer. Sprouts was the first thing there. Now there's Chick-fil-A, there's T-Bar. It seems like both that and Trim Creek Marketplace were things that even though they were on the horizon forever, now that it's finally here, it didn't take that long to really get there. And I just feel like the economic impact has been substantial. And I mean, that and downtown, those are the three busiest places, in my opinion, Churn Creek, Hilltop and downtown near, you know, Shasta Regional and all that, of course, um, and Crown Camera. I feel like with those three places getting revitalized, it's really helped a lot. I was just wondering kind of the difference you've seen in the community. And I don't know if you have any idea how long um, or how much it took to get Chick-fil-A here, but what took so long to get Chick-fil-A? People have been talking about this since like I was in high school and I graduated four years ago. What took so long for it? Do you know? Uh, honestly, Chick-fil-A took so long. Uh, Chick-fil-A um, just paused for a long time. I think that they were really wanting to make sure that that entire development was done and in place before they came in. And Chick-fil-A is such a growing, booming business across the country. Um, that they were wanting the, uh, it took a long time for them to turn in permits and all of those sort of things. Um, I think that they just really wanted construction. They were they were trying to time it appropriately, but they didn't exactly share with us why it was that that they sort of dragged their feet. But I think that it's paying off for them. If you, I'm sure you've seen those lines, and and yeah, those three areas I think bring a lot of hope to Reading. It feels. Um, exciting and new and 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 hopeful, and so I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about what the future holds for Reading. I think that mo- there's more of that to come. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the lines go, I've been in some of those lines. So I, I definitely have uh, – I was one of the people that went there grand opening day. And I was one of the people that sat in line two hours. I don't know why I did that to myself, but I did do it, and the food was worth it. Um, and I, I had been to one before too, but it was definitely worth it. And so as far as – and I keep asking you about these places that open up, but how much of a hand do you have and how much information do you get relayed to you as far as, hey, Chick-fil-A is going to open March you know, 21 or in and out's going to open when Churn Creek Marketplace open. I mean, how much of this stuff do you hear through the grapevine? How much of it goes directly to you? Do you have any involvement in it at all until it actually opens? I mean, how does all this stuff work? Uh, I mean, anybody who applies to open a business needs to they apply for permits and licensing and all of those sort of things through the permit and planning department. And so typically when there's something that comes to actual, uh, you know, gets a little bit of traction and starts to come to fruition, that's usually when it is that it's shared with council. Unless, of course, somebody is, um, unless it's a big development or somebody's purchasing um, a piece of land that uh, touches city property or is on city property or we need to discuss right-of-ways or something along those lines, um, then it would come to us sooner. But usually it's once something starts to gain traction. And then anything that we ask about, we, of course, um, are allowed to know. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, that makes sense because I, I didn't know how much of a hand you would have in it, but I figured, like you said, as far as permits and licenses and stuff go, they definitely have to go through the city for that stuff, of course. Um, right. So re-election, is that a thing? Is that on the horizon for you? Is that something you're definitely going to go after? How many terms do they let you guys have? Is, is it unlimited? I mean, I'm, I honestly don't know. How much do you plan on doing this as far as the political career goes? Uh, I suppose that you could go, I, we do not have, I do not believe that there are any term limits for city council members. I sit on um, some state regional boards and there are city council members who have been on for 17 years or so. So I'm sure that if somebody wanted to, they could sit for a very, very extended period of time. I'm not sure what that, if, if there is a term limit. Um, but at the moment, at the moment, I don't have any plans to run for re-election. I really love being involved and I really love serving our community. And I love being able to make a difference in our community. Um, but I also have a lot of uh, other things that I that I would love to do. Some some of them in politics and some of them out of politics, but mostly just things that I'd love to, to help with. Um, and so, yeah, I, at the moment I don't have a plan for or an intention to run for city council again. We will have three seats that are available and I'm hoping to help and to back some really great candidates this next round. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Has anybody announced a candidacy? Has anyone announced that they are going to run? I know it's pretty early on in the race for next November. But. No. No, I believe that they'll probably start announcing, I would assume that same sort of time frame, August, September, October. Sometime in there, somebody will, they'll start announcing who's running, if anybody's running for re-election, any of those sort of things. Um, but there are three of us whose um, seats are up. So we, sh- we shall see who decides, um, if anybody decides to run again or if anybody decides to, you know, throw their hat in the ring. But I'm hopeful because we have some really incredible people here in Reading. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to hit you with more compliments. I mean, I'm actually really surprised that in all the success that you and your team have had since you got elected, that it's only going to be a one-term thing for you. I'm surprised to hear that. And I know you have the the families growing and, and whatnot, and there's a bunch of stuff going on. But what's one thing you want to achieve or something that you feel like hasn't been tended to enough so far in your term? Because I, I feel like Reading definitely has its fair share still, like any other city does, of its problems. And there's definitely things people could point out um, that they don't like seeing, you know, as far as maybe the homeless epidemic right. or stuff like that. What's something that you guys are doing as far as taking steps to combat that kind of stuff and to help out? I mean, I know a lot of that stuff's kind of out of people's control and whatnot. And it goes yeah. more towards the governor. But what's something that you want to accomplish that you guys haven't been able to yet before you do leave? Um, I think that we'll continue to make strides towards public safety and those quality of life issues. We have taken some pretty big steps in the last year or or two. Um, we have roughly, I think, 10 spots or so by the end of this year of positions that we need to fill in regards to our local police department. I think when we when and if we can fill those, that that will be really helpful. More boots on the ground really helps. Um, just presence. Um, the crisis uh, response team is a collaboration between uh, local law enforcement, started from um, RPD, but local law enforcement with Health and Human Services of Shasta County, so that there will be a plainclothes officer who will go out and be the first, um, that'll be the person who arrives with a mental health um, worker if somebody, if there's a mental health call, because oftentimes our first responders end up being called out on 
something that really is more of a mental health intervention uh, rather than maybe a specific law enforcement, but both of those are needed. And so crisis response teams should roll out them in the next month or so, the spring. And then also last month we declared a, an, um, an emergency uh, an emergency housing crisis, um, which means that we can then start to look at micro shelters and ordinances surrounding that. So I'm really excited because that's going back to the planning commission. They'll come back with some various different ordinances and such, and um, hopefully that will bring will tackle begin to tackle some more of those uh, key issues. And yeah, I'd love to plan. And then on the on the not so exciting for the public part, but what I think would be really great for our business community is that I am focused on the planning and permitting department and making sure that we can be as efficient as possible and um, as up to speed as we possibly can be. And I'd love to have everything be digital, especially after this last year of COVID and needing that so much that if all of planning and permitting could be done digitally, submission, approval, deadlines, all of that sort of stuff. So those are the things that I'm probably focused on that I would like to see done, you know, in the next two years or so while I'm still around. Yeah, absolutely. So the car fire happens summer 2018 in the middle of you going for your candidacy and whatnot. You end up winning at the end of the year, basically. And ever since then, we've had a bunch of reconstruction on the Interstate 5 freeway for Anderson and even some parts of Reading and whatnot. We've had, you know, the wildfires and stuff last year, not particularly here, but just in the state having to deal with all the smoke and stuff like that, that sucks and whatnot. But as far as the community coming together and you're born and raised, so I want to hear, so I want to ask you about this. Um, uh, how, as the community, is it surprising to you see how much we all kind of back each other? Cause I'll be honest as someone who grew up here and I was a kid, you know, you don't really think about this kind of stuff when you're a kid, you realize more as an adult and as a parent with children or whatever, how important that stuff is. But I feel like the community over the last four to five years, because of the tragedies and the fires and stuff like that have right. really, really come together and been really tight knit. Um, I mean, how, I don't really, it's not really a question, but like, what do you think about that? I mean, as far as. Uh, the positive impact on Shasta County and how that goes? Uh, honestly, I don't think that that's really much. That wasn't much of a surprise to me. Um, yes, as a child, you don't really think about that, but and then you go off and you experience other areas, and then you come back and you realize, wow, this is a really amazing and incredible place. And Reading's been recognized for its generosity and for its ability to come together. And I think that sometimes what happens when you are a place that does not have all of the money and resources or departments that maybe these big cities do and big counties do, that you get really gritty and you learn to collaborate. And sometimes that's difficult on us. Uh, You know, you can't get away with much in a small town like this, but one of the blessings of that is that we get really good at collaborating and leveraging, oh, you have this, I have this, this is what I can bring to the table, this is what this entity can bring to the table. Um, and so we've sort of had to know our neighbors in in a way that's different than other communities our size because we are, even though we are close to 100,000 people and uh, I think 180 is first across Shasta County, we are still relatively rural and small and so we have to lean on each other for that. And so it wasn't very shocking to me that we were able that we were able to do that. I think that's one of the best parts about Reading is that it really does support uh, its family. 
Reading supports its family. Reading stands up for its family, and, and Reading comes together to to figure out how to make stuff work. So I'm I'm really proud to be from here. Yeah, no, I hear that. I have one more tough question, then I promise we'll go back to the fun stuff. Cool. And I don't know if you are a part of the Bethel Church or not, but the Bethel Church gets a really bad rap from the people who are not a part of it here. But people got to realize they do do a lot for the community. I personally am not a part of it myself. Um, and you don't have to say anything on the matter if you don't want to. But, I mean, why do you think they get such a bad rap for it? Well, why do you think there is such a, a stigma around it? Because I feel like with all the contributions, with all this stuff going on, I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand. And I could be totally wrong, but with everything as far as reconstruction and things opening up, that has somewhat to do with Bethel donations and whatnot. And at the end of the day, it's like any other religion. It brings people together. People come together as a unity. Um, I work at Sprouts. Tons of the people there my age also go to the Bethel Church. I know a guy that got, uh, I don't want to say recruited, but he came here from Johannesburg, South Africa. That's insane to me. What are some of the benefits and positives of the Bethel Church and what do you wish the community would flip its idea or, or flip its opinion on as far as the ideas and the things that run rampant about the Bethel Church here? I would love if people could understand that I think the majority of, of the Bethel Church really has a good heart for our community and that they want to help. Uh, this isn't a new thing, though, in Reading. We always seem to have some sort of... Uh, some sort of entity in which that can do no right. Uh, 20 years ago, that used to be McConnell Foundation. You mentioned earlier the Sundial Bridge and that nobody wanted that. McConnell, in that sense, was like, that was that was like uh, the devil, the no good thing was McConnell Foundation, and, and they were here just to, you know, buy up our land and, and, and convert us to their way of thinking. I think that we've since grown, and oftentimes people fear the thing that they don't know. And one of the biggest assets from Bethel is, one, they work in all of our places. They rent houses here. They bring culture here. Uh, You said Johannesburg. uh, Bethel represents something like 24 different nations uh, at their their school of supernatural ministry. So uh, culture and diversity and great food and um, they, like I said, they bring business and, and they shop here and they are generous and, and for the most part they're really kind. We employ a lot of Bethel students and I'm thankful for them. They're very kind and, and I think that they're a valuable asset to our community and so I wish that we wouldn't fear them and that we would be better partners because I really truly think that we're better when we're together and that the more that we can collaborate and lift each other up um, and leverage each other's resources, the better it will be for our entire community. So I know Blake, that... I'm going to let you ask me... Go ahead. Oh. I'm going to let you ask me two more questions and I'm going to go because I hear that there's a screaming child in the other room who's probably pretty just mad he needs mom in a second. So there's, <laughs> you know, there's it, someone it, in there with him, but I probably should tend to that. So you you go with whatever it is you want to uh, wrap on and then... Uh, and then we'll be done. Uh, absolutely. No, I, I appreciate it, Aaron. I honestly only have one more question for you because I feel like we've covered a yeah. lot of stuff in this about 45-minute interview. And thank you very much for doing this. I have one last thing. Oh, um, sure. 
So I know that no one can predict the future. I know that no one's a time traveler. No one can expect what's next kind of thing. I don't know if you plan on being here the rest of your life. Who knows if you and your husband plan on doing that? That's none of my business. But what does come next after the political future? What comes next come 2023, 25, 2030? I mean, what do you want to be doing as far as, because you said you want to have one foot in, one foot out of the door as far as the politics and you'll still be part of like the permit department and stuff like that and, and planning and stuff like that. But what do you want to do just personally? What's something that you haven't done that you would like to do? Are you going to move on to owning more Dutch bros or maybe trying to, or I guess you can't do that now you said, but maybe owning some more businesses. I mean, what, what comes next? Uh, well, we do have plans to probably open one or two more stores. And then I think that's probably the max capacity that Shasta County could handle of Dutch bros. Um, my husband has been working on something that I can't tell you yet about uh, in terms of uh, business or, or product launching. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what the future holds with that. Um, I'm excited to continue to travel uh, with our children. I'm really excited when I'm when I'm done. I think I'm going to take a uh, when my term is done. I think I'm going to take a three month sort of a sabbatical. But basically, that'll just look like working from the road um, and travel <laughs> with my with my kids. And and there are other things I would love to help direct state of California to a better path and so however it is that I can serve in that sort of in that sort of capacity uh, will be what it is that, that I go towards because this really is a really really uh, sometimes California gets a really bad rap and especially northern California um, yes. in a different sort of way yeah in a different sort of way and so I want the world to know that this is a really incredible place and and that people care and that this is a cool place and a beautiful place and that there's so much growth potential here. And so there are some things across the state that need to change policy and government-wise. So I'd love to help out in those. But I also really love to just be the soccer mom on the sidelines cheering. So or the jiu-jitsu mom. So those are the things that it looks like. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on, Aaron. I really appreciate it. And and seriously, I, I want to keep in contact with you and Baron as much as I can, uh, whether it's emails or whatever, because I, I would love to get this convention center thing up and going, even if we can't tear down and build it back up kind of thing. I, I have a lot of ideas, and we could talk more about it when you're not having uh, your kids screaming for you in the other room, of course. But um, Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I think I covered absolutely everything I wanted to cover. So thank you for your time. I know it's, it's few and far between these days for you, so I really appreciate it. And seeing yeah. someone you know just real quick to sign off that you know born and raised yeah. here you left came back to see someone having such a positive impact and whatnot it's really nice to see so i just want to say thank you as someone that just lives in the community and sees the changes that are made every day positively um i just want to say thank you and thank you for your time yet again and i really appreciate this this was really cool of you oh thank you so much for having me it is quite an honor and yeah i'm hopeful for what is to come yeah 100 percent If you guys have made it this far in the podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, I'll be back here very soon, and have a good day. I'll see you guys later.